2: The thunder and the lightning, we this is slow and low they are bringing to us blessings
1: the rain the land is dry and parched wickedness reigns on every side your people are given to entertainment to the things of this world with little concern for the lost and the dying with little concern for your persecuted people little concern for the babies being aborted thousands every day Lord, send the rain. It's time for revival, Lord. We stand by faith today that you will send your mighty Holy Spirit and change what's happening in America like you did in Argentina. Lord, in 1949, you opened the windows of heaven and began to pour out a great blessing upon Argentina until it was a changed nation. Lord, it's our turn. Would you do this now in America? Lord, we wait upon you. Jesus, we cry out to you. We're at a total end, Lord. We can't go any further in human strength, in human ability. Lord, we don't trust ourselves. It must be by your Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel, My wife is in studio with me. Welcome. Alexandra will share with me in reading this wonderful book that we've been telling you the stories of. It's called Thy God Reigneth, The Story of Revival in Argentina by Dr. R. Edward Miller. This man, sent by God, sent by God to struggle in prayer until God answered in 1949. Now we move forward to 1951. Revival has begun to move across the country. It's not major, it's still quite small. It's found in pockets. And then we come to fulfillment. We want to share with you the exciting story of what God did in Argentina because this same God, Jesus, our Lord, is going to do this in America.
3: The scripture for this chapter comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. When a stronger than he shall come and overcome him, He taketh from him all his armor, and divideth his spoils. Impossible, chorused the pro-mass evangelism committee. Tommy Hicks had just presented his idea of requesting a personal interview with Argentine dictator President Peron. Tommy, an unknown, unheralded healing evangelist from the United States, desired to request the use of a large sports stadium, radio, and press for an evangelistic healing campaign. Such a thing had never been done before. No one had even considered requesting the privilege of using such a large stadium. It just seemed too preposterous. Even if one could obtain permission, there weren't that many, evangelicos interested enough in the healing ministry to fill it. Tommy wanted a meeting place that would seat 25,000. The committee considered that 2,500 would be overly sufficient. Tommy said he would not start unless a large stadium was obtained. Services of a well-known missionary healing evangelist had been solicited, but it had been impossible for him to come. It looked as though Tommy was the man. With some fear and misgivings, deliberations continued. The conclusions of the committee were justifiable, considering all things from man's point of view. Up until this time, the the evangelical works were limited. Most of the churches were comparatively small. Conversions were one here and one there. Healings were numbered. Who could imagine that God would move out on a large scale when he had never done it before? As it resulted, even Tommy Hicks' faith was too small. I don't believe anyone, including Tommy himself, anticipated the magnitude of what God was about to do. As to obtaining the use of press and radio, it seemed ridiculous to even consider it. Under the dictatorship, all religious activities were closely censored. All meetings, schedules had to be reported. Special permission had to be obtained for any large gathering. Careful records were kept in government files. Tommy's request was understandably unfeasible. It had just never been done before, and the prevailing conditions of the moment did not indicate the possibility of any miracle. Nevertheless, Tommy insisted on visiting the president. A provincial governor told this story in our hearing. We share it with you.
1: When told of the impossibility and uselessness of an interview with the president, Tommy went to his hotel room to pray. He knew that God had sent him to Argentina, and he knew that his God was bigger than any dictator or government. So he decided to go see the dictator himself. High foreign government officials had been refused with Peron. How could an unknown, unheralded, unimportant U.S. preacher ever get an audience with him? But Tommy Hicks. Believed. believed his God. Walking up to the pink house where the government offices are, he neared the door. An armed guard who served as porter stopped him, asking, Who are you? What do you want? Now, in another account of this same event, the guard had a machine gun and he pointed it directly at Tommy Hicks' chest. It was a very intimidating moment. Pastor Hicks carefully explained to him what he wanted to hold a salvation healing campaign. The more he explained, the more interested the guard became. Finally, he asked, Do you mean to say that God can heal? Yes. "'He can, and he will,' replied Tommy. "'Well,' the guard said. "'Can he heal me?' "'Give me your hand,' responded the evangelist, "'and right there he prayed the prayer of faith.'" The power of God surged into that guard's body in a moment, and the pain and the sickness were gone. Feeling the power of God, the man was utterly astonished, He felt himself all over, then in utter amazement said, Why, it's all gone. All the pain is gone. Of course it's gone, replied Tommy. God has healed you. In another account, it's recorded that this guard said that he had hepatitis C and that his liver was extremely painful. This is the man God came and healed. And he said to Tommy, You come back here tomorrow, and I will get you in to see the president. The next day when Tommy returned, the same guard greeted him most cordially, then escorted him to the great door of the private office of the president of Argentina.
3: The president greeted Tommy and his interpreter cordially, offered them a seat, and asked their reason for coming. Carefully, Pastor Hicks explained in detail the desire that God had placed upon his heart to hold a city-wide salvation-healing campaign in a large stadium with full press and radio coverage. The president listened thoughtfully. In amazement, he heard for the first time of the power of God to heal and save, for Tommy was faithful to preach the gospel to him that day. At that time, the president was suffering from a most persistent and disfiguring skin disease, an eczema, which up to that time, no physician had been able to cure. It had grown steadily worse, becoming so noticeable that he no longer allowed photographs to be taken. His ailment had become common knowledge. Listening to the story of Jesus, the Son of God, who heals through faith and prayer alone, the president asked, Can God heal me? Pastor Hicks answered, Give me your hand. Right there, with hands clasped over the big desk, little Pastor Hicks prayed the prayer of faith for President Peron, dictator of Argentina. The power of God flowed into the president's body. God did an instantaneous miracle of grace and mercy. Before the eyes of all present, the skin of President Perón became as clean as a baby's. He was instantly made whole. Stepping back in utter amazement, he wiped his hand over his face and exclaimed in astonishment, Dios mío, estoy curado, which means, my God, I am cured, and he was healed. The eczema had all disappeared. The name of Jesus had prevailed. Opening his arms wide in a characteristic gesture, he gave Tommy everything he desired. Freedom of press, freedom of radio, and freedom to hold a large gathering. In gratitude for his healing, under the touch of the hand of God, his soul awed in the presence of power and might, the president made the impossible possible. Barred doors were thrown open, and God made a way where there was no way. In a moment God had done what no man could do.
1: The Atlantic Stadium was a was a seating capacity of twenty five thousand. It was rented. God began to stretch out his hand even even though the beginning crowds were small. The news spread rapidly. God began to heal. Before long, Larger crowds were coming out to see and hear the miracle worker, as he was called. Ushers were soon working 12-hour day shifts. Often the bleachers were occupied several hours before the service was scheduled to begin. Because of the many people who had to remain on the outside, loudspeakers were installed. Inside the stadium, the walkways were filled when the crowd pushed down the fence surrounding the playing field and surged across, filling the field as well, they pushed down the doors of the stadium and shoved their way in. One night the workmen were unable to assemble the platform because of the pressing crowds. When Pastor Hicks arrived, escorted by a line of policemen, he went over to a corner of the field, The crowd surged toward him, giving the workmen room to put the platform up. As God began to move, some of the people shouted. Others cheered. Others wept. Others pushed forward to touch the evangelist or to stand in his shadow as he passed. When the evangelist preached a simple sermon, for he was not a great orator, about Jesus, the Savior and the Healer, The multitudes responded, We want this Jesus as our Savior and our healer. Pastor Hicks turned to the ministers on the platform saying, Do you see this beautiful scene? Argentina needs Christ. Doesn't your heart burn? When the prayer of faith was spoken, the evangelist cried, Release your faith. Do what you were unable to do before. There was a movement everywhere. Abandoned crutches were raised up in the air. Some cried out, I can see, I can see. Others abandoned their wheelchairs. People observed, amazed, thrilled, hopeful, and pensive.
3: One night, it was announced that the campaign would draw to a close. The multitude stood up, waved their handkerchiefs, and shouted for about 15 minutes, Let it go on! Let Hicks remain! It sounded like the roaring of a restless sea. After a hasty deliberation, it was decided to continue the campaign. The mushroom growth continued. People spent the night in the stadium to assure themselves of a better seat for the next service. The cold of early winter had already set in. Because of the overflow crowds, a much larger stadium was rented. The great Huracan Stadium, the largest in the country, with capacity for 180,000. It had never been filled. No sports event or political rally had ever filled it. And now, the little unknown gospel preacher had dared to rent it. The angel had said that the wave of blessing God would send would fill the largest places with vast multitudes seeking to hear the gospel. Rulers would hear the message. Now it was literally coming to pass. God was moving. His mighty plan was being fulfilled. God was going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ so forcefully to Argentina that it would forever know that his hand was not shortened, nor his ear heavy. The gospel was to make a mighty impact upon the nation of 20 million people. Argentina, strong, powerful, wealthy, influential, but at the same time proud, idolatrous, wicked, and pagan. God was going to move it out of its papal orbit that it might revolve around Jesus Christ. The power of God swept over that vast throng in wave after wave, Night after night, the healing virtue of Jesus flowed out to the thousands who released their faith in God. Outstanding healings took place, too numerous to recount. The full account is accurately recorded in heavenly courts. The thought and ordinary routine of the nation began to change as a new day dawned. Through press and radio, the news flashed to all Argentina, Magazines printed articles with photographs of what God was doing. Daily papers printed notices of meetings and miracles. All available copies of the Bible were sold, 55,000 of them. The people clamored for a copy, nearly snatching them from the usher's hands. Urgent requests went out by airmail for more copies to be sent. Stolid cynicism gave way to hope proud argentines became as emotional as any pentecostal every night a shouting singing audience responded to the power of god as pastor hicks ministered to them the joy of deliverance a mighty rush began a migration similar to the gold rush in the early days of the west but what the people found was better than gold they found the fountain of life healing waters were flowing the power of God was moving out to the people.
1: Using buses, subways, trucks, trams, trains, and any other available convenience, they came. From as far away as Bolivia, Chile, Brazil, Uruguay, the furthest corners of Argentina, they converged to the place where God was meeting man's need, When chauffeurs were asked, where is the campaign being held? There was a stock answer. Where you see the people get off, you get off too. Follow them and they will take you to the stadium. For blocks around, the crowds all moved in the same direction, making a tremendous traffic snarl. Inside the stadium, where someone tried to light a cigarette, others obliged him to put it out. Poorly educated, they called, Here the word of God is preached. The president of the football club remarked publicly that he had never seen such an assemblage of persons in all of his life, estimating that there must be at least 180,000 in the stadium. Wherever men met, there was one topic of conversation. In homes, on the streets, People commented pro and con about the gospel campaign. Hymns and choruses were sung in public conveyances. On a bus, a skeptic tried to convince another that the whole thing was nothing but a hoax. The other man argued that it wasn't. A third entered the conversation, affirming that everything was true for God had healed his wife of paralysis. The skeptic offered no further arguments.
3: In a factory, when comments were being made about the campaign, some tried to make fun. A man got up and obliged them to be silent. In the campaign, his high school-aged daughter had been healed. She had one leg shorter than the other and had been healed instantaneously, discarding her orthopedic shoe. The lame were walking, the paralyzed set free, the blind were seeing, stretcher cases healed, "'Ambulances brought invalid patients and returned empty. "'Life and health flowed like a river, for God had come to Argentina. "'The hotel where Pastor Hicks stayed appeared more like a receiving ward in a great hospital. "'Ambulances brought people at any hour of the day or night. "'The lobby became crowded with needy people. "'Workers were recruited to help the ones who came to the hotel.' nightly the crowds increased until the stadium could seat no more they filled the aisles and passageways still on they came like a great surging tidal wave of humanity people as a giant waving field of ready-to-be-harvested grain the stadium was filled to capacity not even standing room remained still on they came until for blocks around the stadium in every direction a great sea of humanity gathered. The doors had been closed an hour before the service began. Messages reached them through loudspeakers. The wave of healing power reached out to them as well. An English paper of Buenos Aires reported one of the services favorably, estimating the crowds as being 200,000. It spoke of the hundreds who waited from early morning for the stadium gates to open. A short time after the service had begun, it was practically impossible to travel, either by tram or bus, in the direction of the stadium, for everyone appeared to be making his way there. Although a vast crowd filled the stadium, hundreds more milled around the entrances, swarming up the steps and blocking all gangways. Tommy Hicks, standing alone in the large expanse of green grass, looking around at the thousands of faces all looking in his direction, preached that Jesus Christ came to reveal God to the world. The multitude said, Hallelujah, clapped their hands, sang a hymn, raised their arms to God, stood, then bowed their heads in prayer. The silence was impressive. God was visiting Argentina in a sovereign way. He was making a whole nation conscious of his name, his power, and the reality of his gospel. No more could people blindly accept the claims of an oft times depraved clergy. No more would the vile idols of Catholicism hold complete sway over the minds of men as they had up until then. Rome's power was broken. Her hold over Argentine minds was gone forever. For a time, Catholicism remained the state religion but in name only.
1: Who can describe those days? Who can measure such happiness and joy? Who can tell of the tremendous relief from pain and misery, fear, sickness? God swept it all away in torrents of divine love. A little child of of three had been unable to walk without heavy steel braces Something was wrong in the bone structure of the leg. When the mass prayer was made, the mother took off the child's braces in faith. The child started walking. As he ran up and down, the crowds began to cheer, to weep, to shout. Faith rose in many hearts. Miracles began to happen spontaneously out in the crowds. A doctor who knew the child's case observed the miracle, then came over to where Pastor Hicks was standing, grabbing him around the knees. He began to cry out, I want that Christ. I want to be saved. I can serve a God who will do this for little children.
3: A twenty-year-old youth was brought to the stadium on a stretcher. An invalid from birth, he had never walked. Because of the vast crowds and the impossibility of nearing the platform, an usher volunteered to help the stretcher carriers make their way forward. The next night, a woman sought out the same usher, saying, See that young man in the bleachers? The young man saw them looking and waved. It was the same youth who had arrived the night before on the stretcher. He had been completely healed. A noted publisher was healed of hemorrhoids, deformed and enlarged varicose veins, rheumatism, and failing sight. His healing was reported in an, was, was recorded in an important magazine. One night, policemen brought a demon-possessed woman to the platform. When the evangelist cried out in a loud voice, Demon, come out! Terror filled those who heard him. The policemen lowered their caps in an attitude of reverence. The demon fled, And the woman raised her hands and began to praise God for her liberty. People from all walks of life came to the meetings. The crippled and the blind, the sick and the poor, the rich and the not so rich, old people, mothers, fathers, and young people. The sister of the vice president of Bolivia brought her children to be healed. The wife of the vice president of Argentina held prayer meetings and Bible studies in her home. One of the wealthiest women in Argentina came to the Lord. A provincial governor was healed. Death fled from hundreds of his prey at the rebuke of him who took captivity captive. Mothers received their baby safe and well again. Others leapt from their beds of affliction absolutely whole. Fathers returned to work to bring home bread for loved ones. Home became home again. Salvation, real and certain, came to many homes. Hearts of thousands were turned from their sins. The rich and poor, educated and uneducated, high and low, governors and beggars, met God together in those days.
1: Nearly two months of glory on earth, from mid-April to mid-June in 1954, heaven bent low and kissed earth. The blood of Jesus washed people white, clean, and whole, Traditional church people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the strength and endurance of Pastor Tommy Hicks was giving out, so the Lord released him to return to the United States. Scarcely eating or sleeping during those tremendous days, carrying a heavy spiritual burden, he could continue on no longer. Great consternation came to the thousands when he announced his decision to conclude the services. The multitudes that had been healed, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, only God can number. A newspaper man decided to publish an evangelical paper. Others offered to donate funds that a stadium for evangelistic services might be built. Professional people desired to abandon their careers to dedicate their lives to the ministry. Now the vast throng was left, apparently, without a shepherd. All ended seemingly abruptly.
3: Yet we do not feel qualified to question the wisdom of the plan of God. For this was the end of only another glorious chapter in God's historic invasion of Argentina nor is it over yet. For since those days, in other places and in other ways, God has done marvelous things. There are yet many things to fulfill of those promised by the angel in City Bell. Ministers lighted their dimly burning torches in the blazing flame of the awakening. Hitherto unknown little evangelists caught the vision of what God could do, and spread out over the country, ministering in turn to thousands more. One young man, a backslidden, called-to-be preacher, left his professional sports career to become an outstanding pastor. His brother also saw the glory of the Lord, the same flame of God ignited in his soul. When he launched out in evangelism, the hand of the Lord was upon him. Young would-be ministers and Bible school students Seeing what God could do, launched out in healing ministries. New works were opened. Churches reaped new members. New buildings were secured to care for the crowds. Extra church services were added. No doubt, the Hicks campaign, with its spectacular overnight growth and post-campaign complications, was not the way man would have done things. He would have planned better. But God's ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts ours. We may philosophize and wonder, but God goes right on with the fulfillment of his plans, moving with those who will dare to believe him and follow him whithersoever he goeth. For God was not through, and he still is not through, with his mighty purposes for Argentina. God did not sovereignly choose Argentina to bring forth such tremendous things for naught, Here in a country steeped in idolatry and paganism, filth and degradation, God brought forth one of the greatest single mass operations of divine grace ever recorded in Christian history. Nearly a decade later, we are still reaping the positive effects from that outpouring of his spirit. A great light dawned upon Argentine consciousness. Overnight, people became gospel conscious. "'Great barriers were thrown down. "'The gospel was of interest to the man in the street. "'It was no longer a despised sect of devils. "'A million chains were broken from the minds and hearts of men. "'The strong man of Argentina was bound, "'the ruling spirit of this country overcome by the strength of God. "'The word of God reached out and out and out. "'God began to fulfill his promises. "'Everywhere.' From Chaco and the north to Patagonia, Argentina's great southland, God was moving forth. The man of war had stretched out his right hand. In it was hidden the secret of his power. His right hand had done valiantly. It became glorious in power. It dashed in pieces the enemy. It destroyed them. The Lord made bare his holy arm and the eyes of all the nations." The last chapter has not yet been written, for as yet it has not been enacted. The story is still not ended, nor has it all been told. It cannot be written, for as in the book of Acts, it still continues. A fire was kindled, it continues burning. In the words of Ezekiel 20, 46-48, Son of man, set thy face toward the south. Say to the forest of the south, Behold, I will kindle a fire in thee, and it shall devour every green tree in thee, and every dry tree. The flaming flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from the south shall be burned therein. And all flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. The story of the flaming flame must yet be written.
1: And now it's America's turn. God wants to bring that same power to America. But there is something standing in the way. Human pride. Human arrogance. Self-sufficiency. We're at a point where we have to decide. You have to decide. Does your heart quicken as you've heard this story all week long? Does your heart quicken? Do you desire the fullness of Jesus? Do you desire the fullness of His power and His presence? Then you must humble your heart before Him. And you must begin to walk in implicit, complete obedience to every prompting to your heart. My heart overflows with this. I think of the many lost and dying that we meet, that we know. What are your thoughts? Last night you were sharing with me some of the stories of classmates lost, do you want to talk about that?
3: Uh, that seems like a bit of a change in topic. Do you Do you want me to relate that to what we just read?
1: No, it's not a change in topic at all. It's the great need that we have to identify and look at so that we can cry out to God for him to bring to America the same thing he brought to Argentina. His presence, his fire, his power to turn these precious ones from their path of utter destruction.
3: Okay, I see what you're saying. So to just give you a little bit of background before I, I answer Ray's question, so I did not grow up in a Christian family. Uh, my My mom is an agnostic and my stepdad is an atheist. So I went through pretty much until I was in my mid-twenties, I never actually heard the gospel. And there weren't, I didn't have Christian friends. There was no Christian witness in my life. So I was converted uh, before my last year of graduate school. And it was a very dramatic and radical change. And I felt very alienated. Like there was a big gulf between me and all of my friends who I'd had up until that point in graduate school. So what Ray is referring to is I started to track down some of my old high school friends who many of them I haven't seen in 10 years or I haven't even spoken to them in 7 years or longer. And I was able to find a lot of them on Facebook. So I recently got back on Facebook because I've been using it for the church the church account uh so but I figured okay well this is a way that you know maybe I can start to reach out to some of my old friends so I'm just very um pained it's very painful because I was part of this I was oh I was in the gifted program from when I was in elementary school into middle school into high school I did the accelerated math and science I did AP English. I did everything AP. I did, I did the IB program, the International Baccalaureate. And all of my friends were doing these things too. Um, so we were like the good kids. You know, we didn't get in trouble. We did what the teacher said. We did all our work on time. We weren't the troublemakers. We weren't the ones who were selling pot or running away from home in the school. We weren't getting pregnant so we were supposedly like the cream of the cream and so what troubles me is I now have one friend she was my best friend, one of my best friends growing up, we lived in the same neighborhood and her younger sister is now pregnant, not married and their family's Catholic and there's just kind of like an approval of of this whole situation I have another friend who lived in my neighborhood when I was in high school and i i don't even know what's happened to him i'm just shocked by he's become a photographer so he has a lot of photographs on his page and he goes to these events where they they burn like three-story high structures like they light it on fire and they have fire dancers uh fire breathers people who do poi if you know what that is I was kind of part of this crowd, but I never went to something, like, that large and where they were burning something of that volume. Uh, I mean, there's pictures of him naked, just completely naked, on his Facebook page, drinking, like, guzzling hard liquor while he's kayaking. And this is just, I just see so clearly, like, when we start out in sin it's just going to get incredibly worse and I just look at this and I'm like where was the Christian witness I had one friend in high school whose parents wouldn't let her read Harry Potter books because they said they were satanic Uh, and we didn't really understand that and she was certainly not a Christian Um, she was really at odds with her parents so we would sneak her the Harry Potter books And I'm thinking about this, and I'm saying, why wasn't there a strong Christian foundation in this girl's life? Why weren't her parents teaching her how to be a witness to us? Like, starting when she was in elementary school. You can't just lament that teachers aren't allowed to speak to the students, but then not educate your own children to be soul winners. I mean, it's just, I really feel like we all could have been converted, probably in middle or high school. And the whole course of our lives would have been changed. And there's no reason why I should be saved out of this group. Like, there's nothing special or distinguishing about me. I should be out doing the same things that they're doing today. And it's just a miracle of God that that he really put his finger on me. So, does that answer your question?
1: It does. And it could be repeated over and over and over across America. The degradation, the wickedness, the death. And then in this little bubble, we call the church, where a few people in America go for their spiritual entertainment and their social organization. And there is There is some teaching about Jesus there. But it's generally about strategies for success. And that God's grace covers you in the midst of your sin, so don't worry about your sin. We need Jesus to come and rescue his church. Jesus loves the church. It's his heart cry. Revival is the heart cry of God. And by revival, all we mean is to repent of our sin, to turn away from it, and to come to a new place of obedience to the Lord, a place of utter being sold out to Jesus, being owned and operated by the Spirit of the living God, not going about seeking our own will and our own way, not comfortably slouching through life until we come to the judgment bar of God and he says to us, depart from me, I don't know you. I don't want to be in that crowd. Are you who are listening in that crowd? Are you in that crowd today of just, you're a comfortable, lukewarm Christian. There's no fire of God in your heart. You may even be suffering, but you have no faith to believe that God can heal you. Any thoughts you want to share?
3: I'm just wondering if anyone would like to call in. We have time for a caller.
1: We do. 877 534 0780. I want. I must have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We need revival. And without it, the church is dying. Now we can hype the church up with marketing, with concerts, with social clubs, with every kind of activity. We can make it a, like a senior center, citizen center. We can make it a, a nursing home where every activity is available. We can put a restaurant in the church. We can bring a Starbucks franchise into the church. We can do all kinds of things in the flesh, but it's not going to change the absence of of the power of the holy spirit in the church today.
3: Yes, and there's something else that I wanted to share. Um, if you do want to call the number is 877-534-0780,
1: and we'll take your call if we can. We'll take, take we your can. call if
3: we can. Uh, what I wanted to share was so I w- I had a very radical conversion. I was born again in in the shower. And so the day after I was converted, I went to church. And I just went to a Baptist church that was near where I was living at the time. And I walked in and I I thought all Christians believed the same thing. And I thought that all Christians had had the kind of conversion that I had had. And so I was very surprised to discover that these things were not true.
1: When you were converted, the Holy Spirit fell on you and you were absolutely laid out for 45 minutes.
3: Yes, and in my experience, most Christians I've spoken to have never actually had a clear point in their life where they have truly been converted. And so they're walking without the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't have any knowledge, or if they do, they don't have a concern about how bad our American culture is. Has really become so it's like there's like you said it's like there's this little christian bubble and for the most part people have a general sense that everything else out there is evil so we'll just avoid it and that's that's not working there are millions and millions of people in my generation and younger who have never in their life had someone explain the gospel to them they don't know anyone who has actually been converted. They just have a hazy idea about the Christian faith that they glean from mass media or perhaps from a, a religious older person in their family. So I just want to say that it's not like everyone out there is a mostly good person living in you know, a fairly moral life. The fact is that it's way worse than you think.
1: Mr. Producer, was there a call? Four minutes. I hope you hear us today. Everybody wants to be, oh, let's be positive. Well, when you're sick, the positive thing to do is to get to a doctor the positive thing to do is to take the medicine. The positive thing to do is to stop and let the medicine work. Well, we're identifying today, and if you'll be honest, you'll identify, the Christian church in Washington, D.C. is extremely ill. And it's going to require stopping, coming to an end of ourselves and beginning to take the medicine and the medicine is reading the word of god searching after him and letting the holy spirit unveil to us the depth of coldness and arrogance and pride in our hearts and breaking that pride and being converted Changed, transformed, being healed by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we just have a couple minutes left in this broadcast. I ask, please, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit? Would you send your fire? And will you change what's happening in America? Thank you, Jesus. I stand by faith you are doing it right now. And we praise you and we worship you. Amen. Now just very quickly, we invite you to go to our webpage.
3: NationalPrayerChapel.com That's NationalPrayerChapel.com
1: you can give by just touching the donate button. If you believe in the great need for revival in America and in Washington and you want to be a part of helping this radio broadcast continue to share the story and the challenge of revival, we need to hear from you today. We are still $1,860 short of the goal that will allow us to pay for this month's radio airtime. Now, I recognize for many revival is not a very exciting concept, but for those of you who are serious with Jesus, who want to see the power of God move and change and restore America, nothing could be more exciting or more needed. Could we hear from you quickly Write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This coming Monday evening, there will be revival now at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The doors open at 7. The meeting begins at 7.30. We look forward to seeing you there.
3: Thank you for joining us. You can listen to this message again at nationalprayerchapel.com and I invite you to also visit our sister website revivalnow.church.
1: God bless you. Before the of His glory with great joy.